The following is a production by Lone Star Community Radio, Montgomery County's community radio station. You can support Lone Star Community Radio by donating and sponsoring programs just like this. For more information, check us out online at IRLoneStar.com. This segment is brought to you by... Team Sinisi is a proud sponsor of Conroe Culture News. Vinny Sinisi and his professional team provide comprehensive real estate services throughout the greater Montgomery County area and beyond. Whether looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, Team Sinisi has an impeccable reputation. Contact Team Sinisi for a great experience at TeamSinisi.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-I-N-I-S-I.com. Since 2004, Roger Stein Chiropractic has offered spine and joint manipulation services to residents of Montgomery County and surrounding areas. Conditions treated include lower back pain, migraines, headaches, whiplash, carpal tunnel, neck pain, sciatica, joint pain, sports injuries, herniated discs, and complications from pregnancy. Roger Stein Chiropractic, led by Dr. Stacy Rogers and Dr. Brian McGee, is an integrity-verified chiropractic clinic. Call 936-441-9990 for an appointment or visit rogersteinchiropractic.com. That's R-O-D-G-E-R-S-S-T-E-I-N chiropractic.com. You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Hey, so how are you doing today, Brandon? I'm doing pretty well. So I am sitting here with coach Brandon Crick, who's been coaching since 1998, and he's going to tell us a little bit about junkyard fitness and fighting arts and where they're located and why he's passionate about this. So Brandon, um, tell me a little bit about your background. Uh, So I got into martial arts in 1993. Um, I was actually bullied by my cousin. And my, mm. my dad got me into martial arts kind of as a bully prevention thing. Um, I ended up loving it. Just, it became a part of who I was. I trained every single day. Uh, when I was about 16 years old, uh, I found a new instructor who got me into kickboxing and what was called shoot fighting. And at what the is time, shoot fighting? So at the time, um, MMA was still pretty new. And shoot fighting was... Basically, what we call catch-as-catch-can wrestling now, it's submission wrestling. So with takedowns and submissions all kind of mixed together. Um, it was what, back in the day, they called Ken Shamrock. He was a shoot fighter. And so now it's, it's kind of evolved into submission wrestling. So what exactly is submission wrestling? I'm still not clear on that. So submission wrestling, um, if you look at your typical collegiate or folk-style wrestling, it's just takedowns and pins. So I'm trying to get you to the mat. I'm trying to put your shoulders on the mat. Submission wrestling is I'm trying to take you down. I'm trying to stay on top. I'm trying to, to make you submit, with whether it be uh, arm bar, leg lock, choke, whatever. Submission. Submission. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of like jujitsu, but a little more aggressive and a little more top game oriented. So you got involved uh, so you wouldn't be bullied anymore. Did you yes. have to use those tactics? 
Once. Once. Yeah. <laughs> Once was all it took, and then I wasn't bullied anymore. So, hmm. um, and throughout that, I was a very timid, very <sighs> geeky kid, and I gained confidence, and I became better at talking to people and meeting people eye to eye. And it you really raised did, your self-esteem. It changed who I was. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Spokane, Washington. Okay. Yeah. I was up there for 25 years, and then I moved to Seattle for a little while, and then I moved down here in 2006. Why? I came down here actually to, <laughs> <laughs> to work for a friend. Um, it was right after a divorce. I didn't want to be in Washington anymore. I see. Yeah, and I just I needed a new start. My buddy owned a company in Dallas, so I went down and worked for him there. And then it was a contract company. Um, it's actually the company I work for again now, but... Um, when his contract was up in Dallas and they moved down here, I loved Dallas and I didn't want to leave. And so I kind of went back to what I knew already. Um, I had already been in law enforcement and corrections up in Washington. Um, I knew how to protect people. And so I started protecting people in Dallas and I was a bodyguard for 13 years. Okay. Okay. So you've used your techniques that you've learned quite a bit. Great. Gained confidence. <laughs> yes. And so you opened up Junkyard Fitness and Fighting Arts in October of 2021. So yes. that's just recently. Yes, I just opened. I was supposed to open in July. We had some landlord issues, and so I opened in October. And this is in Montgomery. Mm -hmm. So you're also talking about how you do other things, too. So you're waiting for the business to um, be able to take care of itself. Yes. Yeah. But you still, it's, the facility is still open. Do you employ yeah. people there? It's just me. Just you. Yeah, eventually. That's a I'm, lot. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> eventually, I want to have employees, but, you know, I got to grow first. Sure, sure enough. So tell me a little bit about what you offer there. So in the morning, I offer a kickboxing class, which is, it's not your typical cardio kickboxing, title kickboxing type class. Um, there, they just cheer you on while you punch a bag. They don't really help you with technique or anything like that. Um, you will learn to actually kickbox in my class in the mornings, and it's actually as far as cardiovascular challenge, harder than your title kickboxing class. Um, what I, ages? Whatever Any? age you want to bring in. Okay. Yeah. Most of the time, kids don't come in the morning because it's 7 a.m. It's usually school. Yeah. Right. But if you're old enough to come in, come on in. So is that one-on-one? -on -one? Uh, it's a group class, but okay. I'm, I'm very good at flowing with a class. Uh, I owned a gym up in, in Dallas, and I coached up there for 15 years. Um, I've had classes as big as 60, 70 people, and I can flow through a class really well. So you do get instruction from me. I know what you're doing. I don't ignore you. You'll, you'll learn from me. It's visual. You can see them. You can see yeah. if they're struggling or what yeah, it is. I've been doing this a long time. So. so I took boxing once. I was supposed to be in a competition against another nonprofit. It was kind of crazy. It was back <laughs> when I was at the Montgomery County Food Bank. But there was some kickboxing, and then there were some hits involved. Yeah. This is just kicking. There's a kick and, and punch. Both. Yeah. Hmm. And, and there's a whole style to it. You have to learn mm -hmm. how to do all the moves correctly so you don't yes. hurt yourself as yes. well. Yeah. Right? And how you hit. And mm -hmm. Yeah. You can break your hand very easily. you got to think your hand is just four pencils. And pencils break really easily. And so if you hit on the hmm. outside of your hand, you're going to break that pencil. And it's called a boxer's break for a reason. Um, I teach how to structure your fist correctly. I teach how to 
turn it over correctly so you don't break your hands. Um, I've broken mine before. It's not fun. So I went through and learned how to structure everything correctly, teach everybody correctly. Um, so they learn the right way to do it while protecting themselves. Yeah. So you have different classes mm -hmm. that you offer. What are some of those classes? So at 5 o'clock and 6 o'clock, I have my Turbo Tots classes, which are kids' classes. And uh, anybody, I, I usually say 7 and up because that's where the bones in the hand are developed enough that I'm not going to cause growth issues. It happens. Um, what happens a lot of times with all the, the tarsals and the metatarsals, they're not fully developed until you're 7. So if you're causing a lot of trauma in that wrist from punching stuff, it's not going to develop correctly, and you get the kids so that have kind of... So you discourage it. I, I discourage it. Um, I will check their bones in their hands. Interesting. It's pretty easy to feel. So have you taken any classes on the physiology of... Yeah, so... An anatomy of bodies and yeah, all so of that. Yeah, so I've taken kinesiology. Um, I'm a master trainer. Um, and then on top of that, uh, in the state of Washington, it's weird. Down here to be... a. a boxing coach, MMA coach, uh, you hand them $25, they hand you a license. Here... So you don't have to be educated. Right. In Washington, I did. So I had to take a course in Washington to be a coach. So I took that course. Right. Well, <laughs> um, your education follows you wherever you are. Right. And then, you know, since then, I, I all I do is take classes. I, I want to learn as much as I can about the human body, how it works, how to build someone correctly. And so that's what I do. So, you know, we've spoke a little bit recently, and you were telling me that um, your place is different than other places in the community. Yes. So it sounds like that's one of the reasons that you are very well trained and educated. Yeah, I don't just teach them to punch and kick. I teach them how to move their body correctly, how to eat correctly, how to periodize their workouts. Uh, most people just think I need to make it harder and harder and harder and harder, but it's really supposed to be peaks and valleys. You know, you get as intense as you can possibly go, then you back it off a little bit. And every time your valley's a little bit higher and your peak's a little bit higher so that you continuously get better, but you don't overtrain your body. It's a gradual increase. Right. A little at a time. Yep. And you, I assume, walk with them and partner with them so they know when to bring it up a notch. Yep. Yeah. Or when to take it down. Yeah. And we discuss that. We talk about it. I have a kid that's in here now. Um, the kid is obsessed he comes in in the morning and at night every single day and wow yeah he's 19 years old he's just this is what he wants to do mm. but we've had Why? Talks what, what what gets them so excited there's nothing that is cooler than the physical chess of mma once you get in there and you realize how many techniques there are how many ways you can mix the striking the wrestling and the grappling in it, it's just it's a puzzle that you have to con continuously solve and it's always evolving and it makes you want to do it more. And we, we have this kind of built into our DNA. We evolved through fighting. That's why our fist balls up the way it does. Hmm. It's from human evolution. If you look at a pencil and call that evolution, civilization is only the lead. All the rest of the evolution is the rest of that pencil. And we had to fight our way through that evolution. So we're so hardwired to fight. It's why when you get mad, you clench your jaw and you roll up your fists. You're ready to fight. So it, it just tickles your brain. And the more you learn about it, the better you get at it, the more you want to do it. And it's addicting. 
So you don't encourage fighting per se, but no. this is more for the personal's well-being and raising their confidence in how they can conquer their fears. Absolutely. Kind of thing. I'm a big believer in you should do something hard every day. Every single day you should do something, something new, that sucks. something difficult, something that's beyond your comfort zone. Yep. And when you're in my class, every day is hard. <laughs> that's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> what challenges have you had? Whew, man, challenges. Okay, uh, well. So many. <laughs> yeah. My divorce uh, sucked. Um, my ex-wife got hooked on meth, and hmm. that was rough. Um, I moved down to, to Dallas with nobody. I moved alone. And I moved with what I could fit in the trunk of a 99 Chevy Cavalier. And I built everything I had from then on. It was rough. <laughs> it so was starting a business is rough, too. Uh, yeah, this is my third business to start. Um, you know, the, the gym up in Dallas, uh, we ended up shutting down just because we were trying to expand, and landlord didn't want us to expand, and things got too expensive. Just wasn't so just, right. Yeah. Not a good fit. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the second gym, I was, I was a partner in, and I was a head coach, and then COVID hit. <laughs> so. so you came down here, <laughs> and why Montgomery? So the friend that, that had the business that I worked for up in Dallas when I moved to Texas has the business down here now. Uh, we work with the Energy Solutions Program, and we insulate homes, and we do it for a reduced price. Um, I was tired of protecting rich assholes. And so I, <laughs> I was talking with him one day when I was visiting down here, and he was like, well, I want to expand my company. Why don't you come on down? work with me again we'll expand so january 1st 2020 i pulled the trigger and came down here and then COVID hit <laughs> so, sure. that's challenging yeah so that's been that's been a challenge as well trying to expand a company through covid has been very rough you've got to be strong you got to yeah. be strong in so many different ways mm -hmm. you know you have to learn to adapt Yep. and go with whatever's happening and how you can make your business work, yeah, right? absolutely. So this is a contact sport. So tell me how that works with all the COVID stuff going on. So we, we really haven't had a whole lot of issue with, with people worried about COVID coming in, but I do sanitize absolutely everything when I'm in, before and after classes. Um, one of the beauties of the other job I do is during a trade show, I learned about a disinfectant called Shockwave which is something they use in hospitals hmm. that kills everything. It kills MRSA, COVID. If it'll hurt you, it kills it. And we use that every single day, spray everything down with it. The other piece of it is it has been shown and proven. The fitter you are, the easier you get over COVID. So if I have people in eating well, getting cardiovascularly healthy, building their muscle endurance, they're already going to have... They're building up their immunity. Yeah, they're already going to have a, more effectively. a leg up getting over it. Okay. So um, you have ongoing classes, and you said you start with the kickboxing in the morning. Kickboxing in the morning, kids' classes at 5 and 6, uh, beginners MMA at 7, uh, intermediate at 8, and then fighters' class at 9. You're a busy guy. Yeah. I work Every about day is busy, day. right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> So what are you hoping to achieve? Where, where are your goals at? What do you want to do? I want to help people. I believe that everybody should have what I teach. Um, it builds confidence. It prevents bullies on both sides of it. I weaponize the victim, 
And if they're the aggressor, we've had kids come in that were quote unquote bullies. And when you realize that the kid over there with the big ears and the glasses can whoop you because he's been in here for a year, it stops you from being a bully because all of a sudden you don't know who your victims are. And it helps them find common ground as well. Uh, Do you also I, have self-defense women, uh, women's classes? So I, I've started offering women's self-defense classes. I have another company called Innovative Threat Management where I teach women's self-defense. I was teaching it to bars and restaurants and everything up in Dallas, and I also taught some police That's departments. That's interesting, bars and restaurants. Yep, the servers yeah. need it. That's one of the most dangerous trades well, there is. Well, because they stay after hours? They stay after why? hours, but also you got a lot of guys getting really drunk looking at pretty girls. Uh, and that... We so had, they can defend themselves. But is that yeah. appropriate in that environment? You know, I mean, are you allowed to be physical? It's necessary and needed in that environment. Uh, the standard phrase is you need, to have, you need to know as much or as little force is necessary to eliminate the threat. And with these women who are walking to their cars alone after work, who we had a... a situation in Dallas where a girl who worked at uh, one of the local bars was followed home by a guy that she had turned down at the bar mm. and he broke into her house and slashed her throat. Oh my. And that's what kind of, that's what got me a lot of business. So it sucked, but it, it started people thinking about, oh wow, this is a very high vulnerability trade. Another one is realtors. Realtors are in a house, sure. an empty house alone with people. You don't know what they're going to do. You need to be able to determine that it's a threat. Then you need to react to the threat, eliminate the threat, and get away from the threat. And that's what I teach. And the, the beauty of it is it all kind of mixes together because MMA teaches you how to deal with somebody who's got you down on the ground and is trying to hold you there. It teaches you how to deal with somebody who's pushed you up against a wall. And those are two big things that attackers do. Every attack is an ambush. You're already losing. So you need to learn how to make a predator prey reversal and become the one on the offensive. And I think everybody should know that, but especially women. Well, they need to be more observant and yeah. aware yes. as well. You can't be walking out of a building to your car and on your phone. You need to be right. vigilant. And I teach people games, okay. awareness what does games. That mean? So, what's your favorite car? My Mini Cooper, of course. Your Mini Cooper? Okay, find as many as you can in every parking lot you're in. Now mm. what you're doing is you're checking off the Mini Coopers, but you're also checking off the ones that aren't Mini Coopers. So now you're looking at those cars, seeing if there's a driver in it, seeing you're if it's... Adding more detail. There you go. Sure. Favorite designer? When you're walking down the street, find every single Same purse that's your favorite purse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Look everybody in the eye. Every You're single just person. increasing your attention to detail. Exactly. Uh, one of the and things I'm sure I, officers, law enforcement do this all the time. They always know where the back door is. Yeah, we always call it using the elevator. Right. I go from top to bottom and back yeah. to top. Um, when I was in college, my capstone, my, uh, my final paper was on rapists. Uh, at the time, I was working for corrections, and so I had unlimited access to offenders so I interviewed something like 25 rapists and discussed with them what they look for in a victim hmm. and so I built that into my structure for okay well this is what they're looking for so let's not do this 
let's not wear the purse strap across our body. Yeah, it seems like that's more safe because then they can't get it off of you, but it's a handle for them to grab onto you and pull you wherever they want to take you. Leave it on your shoulder, let it go. Nothing in your purse is worth your life. Another one is always make eye contact. One of the things predators don't like is if you make eye contact with them because then now you could possibly identify them in a lineup. Stuff like that. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. So you teach all of this in your classes mm-hmm. as well? Yep, I do. Interesting. Yeah, and I'm, I'm wanting to start a free women's self-defense class every Saturday. I've been kind of putting feelers out there to find out what the best time is, and I've gotten times all over the board. So mm. I'm kind of trying to figure out where the most effective time slot would be. But I think that it's important enough that these women know this that I will do it for free. What about seniors? Do you think seniors are one of them that people attack readily? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I had a fairly significant senior class at my old gym that I taught. I think everybody should learn it. I don't care how old you are. I'll teach anybody 9 to 90. It doesn't hmm. matter. Seems like a good thing for uh, senior centers or mm-hmm. places where seniors congregate as yeah, well. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's there's little small things you can teach them that, you know, once you're past the point where you can hold yourself up very well or have the strength to move quickly, you can still be dangerous to an attacker in other various ways. And I can teach that. So would you say most of this is uh, by understanding and being aware of your surroundings, being attentive, or do you need to have a device on you to stop your attacker? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, Awareness is number one, awareness and avoidance. Um, But at the same time, there are devices that do work and there's devices that don't work. What doesn't work? Pepper spray. Really? Tasers. Why? So pepper spray only works from 8 to 18 feet. So if your attacker's already ambushed you and he's in your face, you're spraying yourself as much as him. It's also nitrogen propelled, and it's made from oleoresin capsicum, the capsicum pepper, which means it's perishable. So if you're past your... doesn't last forever. Yeah, Yeah. if you're past your expiration date, you got some problems. Yeah. How many people check their expiration date? Same thing with tasers. They're a battery. How many people check the battery on their taser? So what's the best thing to do? I recommend Cubitons. What's um, that? They're literally translated pain stick. They're about yay big. They're a little metal stick. You have a key, they have a keychain on it. You have your keys in your hand. Hold it like this. It packs your fist, so it's harder to break your fist if you punch. But it's also, it sticks out the bottom of your hand. And you can start pounding on people with it. It's hard. Hmm. It causes pain. And it helps you get out of difficult situations i so recommend for both those. men and women absolutely hmm. yep i always have a jar of them at my my office and i just if someone starts talking about well i'm afraid of this i'm afraid of that well here and then i kind of run them through a basic of this is how you can use it it's very simple to use interesting yeah so you're passionate about this and you're passionate this because this is You've been down this road. And yeah, so before I w- while I was a bodyguard, uh, the last six years I was the bodyguard for chief general counsel for a hedge fund, and pretty much everybody hated him, so with the, dealing with that was an issue. Um, but before that, for five years before that, I, or six years before that, um, 
I was the bodyguard for a guy who owned 17 bars in Dallas, and I was also the head of security for all of his bars. So I have been in it. I have used it. I have taught people to use it and watched them use it. Hmm. I know what works and what doesn't from empirical evidence. So uh, let's contrast other places around here. It's the education and what else that sets you apart? I teach everything. I don't teach one style. I don't teach just groundwork or just stand-up. I teach it all. Um, There are a lot of people who water down their styles around here to make it more palatable for parents or for people who are worried about contact or bullying or stuff like that. I don't water anything down. We can, we can back off the contact, but you're going to learn what works, not what's fun and looks cool. What you find out is doing it the right way is more fun anyway. And even the people that so are... So you're about te- technique. I'm very much about technique because if okay. you do it incorrectly, it's not going to work. And I have seen what happens when people do it incorrectly in a situation where they're supposed to be saving their life and they don't. And I refuse. So it's detrimental to all the way around. Oh man, it's horrible. And so I'm not trying to dig on any mm-hmm. particular classes or whatever, but some of the the big box kickboxing gyms and. There's a different way to do it. I call them the heavy bag gyms, um, where there's just a bunch of people punching on heavy bags, and you've got an aerobics instructor out front cheering them on and not correcting technique. And then I see all these posts about, oh, yeah, I'm learning to kick ass, and I've got this, and I've got that, and I'm a kickboxer now. And No, you're not. You know how to barely kick a a heavy bag. You don't know the technique. And then if you get attacked on the street, you will freak out. Hmm. You have not been inoculated with stress. You do not know how to deal with it. You're going to have an adrenaline dump. You're not going to know how to weaponize and control that adrenaline dump, and you're going to get hurt. And I've seen it happen, and it's not something I really want to see happen ever again. So you would like to get this out? Oh, absolutely. Any way you can. Yep. And it isn't just about you. It's sounding like it's more about something that you have a gift to share with and you want people to know. I'm pretty passionate about helping others. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. So do you do any kind of events or anything? So events are difficult, especially in a COVID world. Um, sure. There are kickboxing tournaments, grappling tournaments, and then, you know, there's amateur and professional MMA fights. I do take people to those. Um, I've actually had some of my students end up in Bellator uh, on Dana White's Contender Series. So we've been up to the larger promotions. That's kind of on hold right now? Is that how that works uh, it in your it world? Isn't. So uh, I have two of my former students from Dallas that are coming down every couple of weekends to work with me getting ready for some fights. Um, it's hard okay. to train with them when they're three or four hours away. So, so. it's personal training you're, you're still doing mm-hmm. with different people that have engaged your services in the past. Yes. And uh, so you don't necessarily have events yourself at it's your very difficult place to do them at your, in your, your place in your venue, but maybe yeah. you might be interested in going to other events, other and participate to show yes. people what's important. So um, I can do seminars and, and demonstrations at my gym or at other people's places. 
but as far as fights, you have to be sanctioned by the sure. TDLR, and so I'm not doing that. <laughs> that's that's expensive and it's dangerous, and you end up having a whole lot of. So mostly, issues. you just want to educate people and have your classes at this point. I educate them. I teach them, and we do train with an eye on competition but our competition is elsewhere okay okay so let's talk about how people can get engaged with you okay uh my website is www.junkyardfightfit.com um junkyard yes fitness and fighting arts (laughs) there you go um i do have a facebook page junkyard fitness and fighting arts Mm -hmm. i have an instagram junkyard fight fit um and then they can reach me by phone. Phone number's on the website and the Facebook page. Email, same thing. Um, or they can just come in. I'm about a mile south of 105 on 149. There's a business park on the left side of the road right before the railroad tracks. It's 21360 Shannon Circle. And it's a big You're building. available. Yeah, big building with a big sign. So so if somebody would wanted to reach out to you to be a part of uh, an event they had, to just talk a little bit about it or yeah. speaking engagements or anything like that, I'm more than is willing. that something you'd like to do? Absolutely. Uh, I just had a, a lady reach out to me to do a self-defense kind of seminar and talk for some seventh graders. Wow. So, yeah, I'm going to go do that. So Sounds fabulous. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear from you. I can tell you are very passionate about this. I love this. And you're a member of the Montgomery Area Chamber of Commerce as well. And that's a good way to get connected with people. And it's Junkyard Fitness and Fighting Arts. Yep. And uh, you can Google that, you know, uh, pretty easily. You can find it on Facebook. You can go to the chamber and see his listing. And he is Coach Brandon Crick is very excited to help you out. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Brandon. I appreciate you coming out here and recording this and sharing your knowledge. Thank you. And hopefully uh, more people will get engaged with what you have to offer, your skill set, and protect themselves. That's my hope. Since 2004, Roger Stein Chiropractic has offered spine and joint manipulation services to residents of Montgomery County and surrounding areas. Conditions treated include lower back pain, migraines, headaches, whiplash, carpal tunnel, neck pain, sciatica, joint pain, sports injuries, herniated discs, and complications from pregnancy. Roger Stein Chiropractic, led by Dr. Stacy Rogers and Dr. Brian McGee, is an integrity-verified chiropractic clinic. Call 936-441-9990 for an appointment or visit rogerssteinchiropractic.com. That's R-O-D-G-E-R-S-S-T-E-I-N, chiropractic.com. Team Sinisi is a proud sponsor of Conroe Culture News. Vinny Sinisi and his professional team provide comprehensive real estate services throughout the greater Montgomery County area and beyond. Whether looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, Team Sinisi has an impeccable reputation. Contact Team Sinisi for a great experience at teamsinisi.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-I-N-I-S-I.com.
Hello, so I am Margie Taylor, and I am sitting with Echo Hudson. She is an assistant district attorney at Montgomery County District Attorney's Office, working with violence against women. She's also, and this takes up a lot of her time lately, also a candidate for judge of County Court of Law 4. So welcome, Echo. Thank you so much for having me, Margie. Of course. I know this is a busy time for you. I mean, you're working, you're a mom, you're a wife, and you're also a candidate. So I just want people to know a little bit about you, uh, what your background is, your education, and what your role would be, because some people don't really understand what county court of law for is exactly. Yeah, I think that's pretty common. Yeah, of course. I mean, because there's six, right? There's going to be six. And what's the difference? Right. So tell me a little bit about your background. Okay, so um, my undergraduate degree was in justice, minored in philosophy, honored in statistical analysis of all things. Um, and Ew. so <laughs> who knew that I would like statistics, but I really do actually. Do okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, didn't expect that. So I went to law school in, uh, 2005 to 2008, graduated, came to Texas, started prosecuting right away. Um, and then came to Montgomery County in 2009. Brett Ligon had just been elected the Montgomery County district attorney. So started then, um, in 2011, as part of that office, I wrote a grant for for funding for the first special specialized domestic violence prosecutor in the county, uh, worked as that prosecutor for a couple years, started the domestic violence division, and that kind of became my specialty in the area of uh, criminal law. So um, we started the domestic violence court at that time in 2011. It's been running for 10 years now. Wow. Um, yeah, and it's become really, I bet it's really busy. successful. Is it, it pretty is. busy? Yeah, and it doesn't slow down. And COVID, COVID didn't slow anything down. It ramped up another sure. 20% on average. Um, and it hasn't gone back down, Scary. unfortunately. Yeah, so um, I'm currently the chief prosecutor of the domestic violence division, still at the DA's office. Um, I've done a little bit in the middle there. I went out on my own for a couple years, took a break. Um, when my youngest was born and um, did some criminal defense, some family law, a little bit of civil. And then Brett asked me to come back in 2016. And I did, went back into the DEA's office um, and the domestic violence division. So here I am. Um, Now, it's important for that background, I guess, because County Court 4 is a criminal court. Uh, It's misdemeanors. It is general criminal by agreement of the judges. Um, But then it also holds that special domestic violence docket uh, that I've been working from the prosecution side um, for the most part of that court's existence. So I'm only only running for office because of that court. Um, And County Court 4 is pretty special. And you have a real passion for this as well. I do. I do. It's really become, um, you know, when we started, it was a need that needed to be filled in the community, something we hadn't done yet. Um, Montgomery County Courts were not specialized at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, this docket was actually the first one that I think we got the agreement of the judges to specialize. And from there, it was kind of a continuing thing that we started to see how effective that can be. Um, so we kind of changed the face of how the courts organize themselves. Um But it's also become something that's much bigger than just, we need to do this. Um, You know, there's the gap to be filled, and it's become something that's really important to victims in Montgomery County. It's really important to um, a lot of our citizens to see that we're addressing domestic violence Mm -hmm. so directly. Um, It's it's a special topic. I think, you know, it's one of those that tends to be not political. It tends to be across the board that everyone agrees domestic violence and how we handle it is, is a need for our community. 
So you work with women, you work yes. with men, because I'm sure men yes. are involved in this and people don't realize that, but yes. men can be abused. Absolutely. And kids, do you ever work with kids? So we do. Um, <clears throat> we work with them in a couple ways. And of course, child crimes, um, there's a separate division under mm -hmm. the same umbrella. So we work... Um, I'm in the special victims unit at the DA's office. So we have. Sounds a, like a TV show. I, it is. <laughs> it is. We decided to call ourselves that a couple years yeah. ago. We have internet crimes against children, wow. we have yeah. physical crimes against children. So what I do is I partner um, with those other prosecutors in, the, in that um, specialized umbrella division. But my particular domestic violence division, we deal with adult victims, intimate partner. And then we take child victim cases that are out of the same type of transaction. So if an abuser is um, charged with assaulting his intimate partner, but then the children are part of that, then mm -hmm. yes, we will take those cases absolutely. As long as it's related to yes. that unit. Yes, absolutely. Interesting. So you've kind of talked to me a little bit about why you're running as a candidate. Mm -hmm. Now, do you have an opponent? I do. You do? Yes. I've not seen that opponent, that's why I'm asking. Yes. <laughs> I know that person exists. Yes. So why do you think you are the most qualified candidate? So Sounds I, like a lot of reasons. It is. Um, you know, and it's, it's really, it comes down to this court. Um, you know, there's, there's six county courts, like you said, and each one has kind of a special... Um, part in Montgomery County mm -hmm. and this court is domestic violence and so um, with my background with what I do I'm the only person that has worked this court from the inside out I help develop the policies I help develop the court schedule I help develop the docket I help develop the um, the processes that we use and the underlying um, so we offer certain courses in order for even a case to be dismissed. If we can't prove a case, we try to ask for batterers intervention prevention counseling. Um, and so those types of programs that we've implemented are not something you can just step into and do. You have to understand the why. You've been a part of it from the beginning. Absolutely. And so it You've really is. You've been very is, intimate with the whole process. Yes, absolutely. And so there's really no one else that can say that. There's no one else that can say that. So does it seem a little overwhelming at times to be a judge? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what does that look like to you? <laughs> it, it does in the way of, you know, I'm, I'm currently I'm an advocate. Mm -hmm. um, and I get to be loud and outspoken. And I get to, you know, <laughs> I get to go in the media if I want to. And, and I guess, you know, just my personality, I actually like to fly under the radar. So running for office has been a switch for me. Um, yes. You know, and kind of putting myself out there and talking about all of these things. I've just been doing for so long. It's hard to talk about yourself, it's, too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's hard to get into the, like, Because when you advocate for someone else, that's a whole different role. Absolutely, and the focus is on them, and so mm -hmm. you can just be that voice. And so, yeah, it's been a very different switch. But I will say... Um, after election, judges are expected to be fair and impartial and balanced and not advocates. And so it will kind of be nice to go into a role like that where I can kind of sit back a little bit again and get out of the spotlight. <laughs> so I think right. I'm looking they forward to that. <laughs> they can't, you know, go out in the media as yeah. much because they need to be unbiased. Yes. And absolutely. they need to have that temperament yes. that is very low profile yes. decisive and reflective that kind of thing not a volatile kind of right 
demeanor. Right. And we don't want to go out and start stirring up, you know, (laughs) (laughs) a lot of a lot of talk and discussion about cases that are that are not meant to be. Right. Uh, Right. Pending things. You can't talk about those things because you need to be fair. Absolutely. And impartial. Yeah. Right. The yep. judge. That's what yep. I see. So I'm kind of looking forward to that part. <laughs> okay. So I, I know you've been working hard on this. When did you decide that this was going to happen, that you were going to be a candidate? So I think um, the final decision was made in June of 2020. Um, I knew that Judge Marianne Turner was retiring. She's mm-hmm. the judge of County Court 4. Uh, she had been pretty open about it for I don't know, months before that. Um, And then, of course, you know, the talk around the courthouse started with who's running and who's not. (laughs) And people kept coming up to me and they're like, oh, you're running for DV court, right? And I was like, no, I I am not running for (laughs) politics. No, thank you. You know, Um, and so after a while, I I kept getting that question. So I went home, sat down with my husband, and I said, man, I'm... And he's very supportive of you as well. Oh, he is He is my rock, and he is my study. Mm-hmm. He is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I sat down with him, and he's always my sounding board. And so I said, you know, I don't want to be in politics. <laughs> I'm, Montgomery County is a tough place to be in it politics. It is. It's very tough. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure that's really something I want to do. And he said, well, you know, let's talk about what you would run for. You know, this is your court. This is what you've done. And do you really want someone else that doesn't know what you've done to step in there and risk losing the success you've created in that court? And man, that hit home. I'm sure. And so he just... it's yours. Of, yes. And, and he broke down all of those fears of, you know, my family being out in the world and the pressures and the time and everything that it takes. And he said... Everything you do, you do with a purpose. And when you decide to do it, you don't do it half-heartedly. And he said, you make the decision to do this, and you run with it, and we've got your back. And so that was kind of the final conversation, and I said, you know what? All right let's do this. And then that's, that's kind of where we went. But it took me about three months to get there. <laughs> it was a big, long, sure, careful decision. Sure, it's not an easy decision. Absolutely. Because basically the family's running, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 And you, you know, they're, they're, and it takes a lot of time. Yeah. And it takes money. Yes. And you have to fundraise as well. Yes. Do you have any events coming up? So we are, we, I have some private events, some meet and Mm -hmm. greets that Mm -hmm. people are hosting. Um, the defense bar has put out a, um, meet and greet for me. So that's kind of, you know, just like some of the, the circles that Mm -hmm. want me to be introduced. More people to see you, hear you, understand. We're Mm -hmm. maybe talking about, so February 7th happens to be my birthday. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we're talking about maybe doing a final fundraiser birthday bash about a week before, uh, early election starts. So. Share the love with Echo. That's right, right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Echo's birthday extravaganza, maybe, or something. Okay. Yeah, it'll be fun. I can see the hearts and all that. <laughs> yeah, <something>. I can <laughs> yes. just kind of visualize it's the whole close. thing. pretty close, yeah. Yes. So this is a new court. So it's not like you really want to see things done differently. You've been a part of this for right. a period of time, right. and it just it totally makes sense why you would want to continue on course. Yeah with it yeah and and this is your passion and you know without having anybody visibly out there (laughs) going against what you're saying I can see this being very successful for you you. a very successful journey thank you and uh you know I I'm excited for you 
I think this is going to be a great opportunity to make some positive impact in the community. Thank you. With uh, especially people that need it the most. Yeah. And everybody has heard, well, I don't know about everybody, but it's been out in the community that because of the closures and COVID and all that, Mm -hmm. there's been more domestic violence. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So the studies have been uh, nationally Um, a general increase and it kind of depends on where you go to see that Um, across the state of Texas I think the um, Texas um, Council on Family Violence came back with their report last year there's a generalized increase and in 2021 it didn't seem to go down Um, Mm -hmm. there's also studies that talk about when there's a natural disaster or when there's an increased stress on society in general, domestic violence will often spike very, very quickly. Um, but then for it to go back down, it takes a lot longer. So that bell curve is really high and then it just very slowly tapers off. So we're still in the throes of that. And I think with everything going on in our society, um, I think even with the Omicron variant that's come out and the Delta variant, I think all of those stressors have continued for domestic violence victims, unfortunately. And when we talk about... Well, it's unpredictable. People don't know... Yes. What the status is, what, yes. what's coming out yes. behind us, and what people have what's lost the future their jobs look that, like, yes, and, and you're still with stress. the same family that's had mm-hmm. stress, and mm-hmm. if you don't take care of whatever the issue is that's bringing on the stress, it's yes. going to keep building up. Yes, absolutely. And so um, in Montgomery County, we saw an average 20% increase um, from March of 2020 when the initial lockdown started happening. Some months, it was as much as a 50% increase. Wow. Um, I ran the stats again for October of 2021, um, which was Domestic Violence Awareness Month, mm-hmm. and we have continued to see an average of 20% increase. So it's not gone down. Yeah. Um, you know, part of that may be the increase in... Um, population in our county but really it's so closely connected because you know our population's been increasing for 10 years um, or more and mm-hmm. so I, th- I think that it's a direct correlation to um, everything that's been going on with COVID lockdown so when that happened um, you know my division we ramped up Um, We started working 24-7 to respond to victims. I've been on call for two and a half years now to law enforcement, um, 24-7 for domestic violence calls. They call me in the middle of the night, and they're out on scene with a victim, especially strangulation cases. Mm. Those are some of our highest lethality cases where we're most likely to end up in a homicide. Um, And so they'll call me. They'll run the the case down to me. They'll make sure if we can get the victim in for we have a 24-7 nurse examiner for some of the most severe injuries um, and I will get them an advocate out to respond to either the hospital or to call them on scene the sooner the better absolutely that's how that's the only statistic we have where victims tend to stay alive is when we get them into advocacy services right away so what we've done is we've created a high risk team it's called the DV alert team Um, and we've also created a program with the women's center Montgomery County Women's Mm -hmm. Center that we have a DV co-op where we have a co-located so they come to our office and office with us um, advocate and so we want to make sure that those services are 24-7 available so when EMS is out on scene and they need an advocate they know to come and call this number and get a hold of somebody Um, and those types of of programs that we've done 
we ramped those up during COVID lockdown because nobody was able to go out and get in the homes because of, you know, all the protocols and things. And so we really had to configure out and um, reconfigure how we were doing that program. How you respond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It was, and it was more important than ever because it seems like the violence increased as much as the volume which is scary. Um, You know, in Montgomery County, the majority of homicides are domestic violence and they are intimate partners. I think um, the last statistic that Brett put out was that it's above 70%. So what we're looking at is escalating, repeating violence um, with intimate partner situations. And when you add that increased stress and everything, it's just like a pressure cooker. How do you intervene before it gets to that point and escalates? That's the hard part, right, is reaching somebody who Mm -hmm. has been isolated, who has, um, you know, is in the throes of of a domestic violence situation. They are trauma victims, and so they're not making decisions on the same And they might be complacent about it as well, right? Yes, they may have accepted their situation. Excuse it. Yes, yes. And... You know, emotional attachment to a batterer, that's a very real thing. And having children where you can't really just pick up and leave and you don't want to take those children away from their parent or you don't want to break up a home, you you know, marriage is hard work. Everyone says that, right? Mm-hmm. And if we can figure this out and if we can work through our issues, then it's going to be better. And I think a lot of people, you know, that's really why they stay. Um, they want to fix their person that they love, mm-hmm. and they want their relationship to be better. And so what we want to do with that is give them skills, give them education, give them opportunity, because domestic violence is also a cycle. And so children who are raised in abusive relationships don't understand what a toxic relationship looks like, and they get into their own toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a 90% what they're used cycle. To. Right. Sure. And so they've never learned the tools to de-escalate without violence. They've never learned how to have a healthy relationship. So part of what we do is we collaborate with advocacy organizations to educate in the schools, to educate in the community, if we can reach anybody with how to you know, move past an, an unhealthy relationship or to hopefully solve it before it becomes violent, that's a huge part of what we do. It's being proactive before there's a criminal case. So if offering some, out the education yeah. in the community yeah. and then also telling people maybe where they can go to get some counseling. Yes. You know, before they have to call 911. Yes, absolutely. If there's never a criminal case, if there's never a 911 call, that's the best case scenario, Right. That would be the most wonderful thing. So what organizations can help people? So I think in Montgomery County, we are so fortunate. Um, Other counties, I know Harris County, there's probably six different women's advocacy organizations for shelter. In Montgomery County, we've been able to use just the one main that covers the entire county. It's the Montgomery County Women's Center. Mm -hmm. They have a 24-hour emergency hotline. They have an undisclosed shelter location for those who are in immediate crisis. They have a short-term shelter um, at a different location over on Airport Road um, where you can, um, children can come with mom. Um, or we have, um, at that location, we have for men who are um, trying to get shelter from an abusive relationship. And that facility. happens. Yes. I, I know yes. of one incident where it happened. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think our cases, when they come in, it's about um, 15 to 20% male victims. And it's hard for them. Yes, yes. And, you know, we have 
um, people in same-sex relationships as well, and that's mm-hmm. a high risk factor for domestic violence, actually. And so, you know, we have to be able to serve all of those people in Everyone. this county. Yeah. Period. So, and then there's the long-term shelter um, where it's actually an apartment complex um, that is a secure facility, but. Um, that's also at the Women's Center. It's called mm-hmm. Reaching Pines. They can stay there up to a year, and they have an increasing rate of um, rent, so they start to learn how to be financially responsible, um, and they help with um, all of the job skills and things that someone might need if they've been out of the workforce or maybe never entered the workforce, became a stay-at-home mom very young or something, never had the opportunity to go to school. Gives them all the resources Absolutely. and education to yes. be self-sustaining on yes. their own. Yeah. So this is all really, truly interesting. We could probably talk for Forever. an hour or, or longer because <laughs> yeah. there's so many different ways to go. Yeah. But let's narrow it in to how can someone get in touch with you, your website, your okay. Facebook, or anything sure. else? Absolutely. So my uh, my call sign, I guess, is Elect Echo. It's pretty easy. Um, yeah. So www.electecho.com. If you E-C-H-O. Go to E-C-H-O. E-C-H-O. Just, yes. <laughs> the real echo. Um, and I'll be the only echo on the ballot, so I'll be easy to find <laughs> how many other echoes have you ever run across i've only met one only met one in college yes um happened to be the polar opposite of me but that's fine <laughs> everyone everyone defines themselves but yes so not very many echoes out there um but yes so that's you can find me on facebook um facebook.com backslash elect echo or they can reach out to you when they see you out in the community yes because yes. there's a lot of things going on yes. right now Lots on the campaign trail, forms. right? Yes, and I'm posting on my Facebook the candidate forms that are coming oh, up. Oh, perfect. Um, so you can go and you can look at the events coming up. I think we have, gosh, how many do we have? Too many. Yes. I check it every day, yes. every week, yes. all the time, Yes, because they keep changing. Yes. Last, or others keep at, being added right, on. <laughs> right. It's just like, Last day know. to register to vote for the Republican primary is January 31st. Mm-hmm. First day of early voting is February 14th, and then the primary election is March 1st. It's coming okay. up. Yep. So, Elect Echo. Elect Echo. Elect Echo. Echo Hudson. Echo Hudson. So, uh, she's very qualified, and... Uh, Talk to her. See what she's yeah. all about. Yeah, please do. I, I welcome it. I like talking to people about what I do. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you, Echo. Thank you so much for your time, Margie. I so appreciate it.